Hey everybody, this is episode 41 of Artist Soapbox. Hello and welcome to Artist Soapbox, a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am Tamara Kassane. Here's a gift for you, my friends. You are going to hear two amazing original poetry pieces performed by Naima Yatunde in Griffiths to open and close this episode. Oh my gosh, you are going to feel it. Naima Yatunde in Griffiths has been taking the Triangle area by storm. She is a performance poet, writer, and playwright. She produces and directs theatrical works and is the founder of NYI Productions. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, a recent resident of Raleigh, North Carolina, Naima has a Bachelor of Arts in Drama Studies from SUNY Purchase College and a Master's of Professional Studies in Arts and Cultural Management from Pratt Institute. Her books can be found at the local so-and-so bookstore on Person Street in Raleigh. Mark your calendars. Naima's play, Men Always Leave, will be playing February 1st, through 3rd, 2019, at Cary Theatre, produced by the Cary Players. Men Always Leave was first written by Naima as a poem, which she adapted into a play, then adapted into a soap opera series, and most recently, she's begun writing an accompanying soundtrack. We talk about the evolution of Men Always Leave, Naima's experience as a performance poet, her hopes and plans for NYI productions, the value of community, and more. I want to tell you how Naima really inspired me. When she arrived at my home studio, it was about 10 a.m. on a weekday, and we were chatting and doing some introductory small talk, and I asked her if she was going to work when we were done. And she said, I'm working now. I'm here. This is my work. Enjoy this episode. Hi, Naima. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm like really excited. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. This is awesome. (laughs) I want to start with one of the things that I'm really excited about, and that is having you read some of your work. Okay, So whatever you would like. All right. So um, I have brought this piece. Um, I may not read the entire thing because it is kind of a long piece. But it's kind of about being a woman. And a lot of my pieces speak to that, about being a woman, about embracing femininity, about being strong, about the things that we go through. Sometimes we're not always strong. Um, And in Ghost Load, which is my newest publication, this is from that. So I wanted to share. It says, the title is Woman, Who Are You? And then it goes, I am queen. I am a 3D shadow. Needles dig my skin even after I have wakened. I am a walking unit, a second from a flat line. This unit mirrors distress on the backs of unjust systems. Clearance. I am a mother, warrior by the role I employ. Saturated in blood sparred through the cavity of my soul, I housed innocence. Smells sweet like the breath of my son, soft like his felt skin. Warm as the jubilant smile that beams at the mere sight of me. I am mama. I gasp often, breathe inward with no escape avenue or opening to exhale. Question, have you seen the keloids on the inside of my mental walls? The wounds deepen with the rejection of acknowledgement. 
I'll leave it there. <laughs> Thank you so much for, re- for reading. Sure. So you've been performing poetry since you were a teenager, is that right? Yes, performing since I was a teenager. I've been writing since about seven years old. I mean, I've always had a yearn to write. <laughs> how, did, how did you find this poetry, this voice of yours, or how did it find you? Right. So this is really interesting. Um, I think as a teenager, I loved stories. I mean, I would watch the old black and white movies with my mom. My mom used to uh, definitely introduce me to a lot of stage plays because she knew that I had this love for 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 uh, for words and for writing. And uh, I come from a musical family, so I was introduced to a lot of music early on. Um, by, on my dad's side, my family members are percussionists. They play traditional African music instruments and then are also dancers. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with that. And then my mom just loved all kinds of music. I mean, everything (laughs) you could imagine. We had it in the house. And I think that I was inspired by all these stories. I mean, I had stories in the family. I had stories, you know, just and I I could see them and I could feel them and it it would just come naturally. So when I, I guess with the poetry now, I've always liked rhyme and things like that, but I like describing. I wanted to find other ways to introduce an idea. So um I later realized that I kind of paint words. I don't just say them or just put some together so that they rhyme together. So when I got to high school, I was a part of a poetry club. <laughs> okay. And I, and what was so cool about this poetry club is it met once a month and all the poems that were read by any of the students were then put into a newsletter. And it's like a real publication. So we got published <laughs> once a month, you know, and um, that was exciting. You know, it, it was, it was just great to, to, to say, yeah, I did that. And um, so the club had a field trip and we went to the New York Poets Cafe. Well, <laughs> when I went there, I said, oh, that's what I sound like. And so I was inspired by the other performers and, and poets. And these were adults. These weren't teens. So there was that. And later on, I was introduced to like teen poetry slams and teen other teen writing competitions and stuff like that but that was the initial like you know introduction of what spoken word was and what I was already doing see I was already writing but I just didn't you know I didn't know so I would say that's pretty much how I found it (laughs) and it sounds like with growing up around instrument with music and percussion you're, you have transferred that into your writing. I mean, it's very rhythmic. It's oh, very musical. You. And yeah. so I can see the direct application of that. And you've just added another layer, which is this painting layer of words yes. on top of it. Mm-hmm. Have you always written about being a woman, even as a, as a kid? As a kid? A lot of times. Yeah. I could see a lot. I actually, it's funny. I really hope I'm going to say it here, so maybe it really can become true. Um, I've written poetry from like, let's say, 12 years old to about 17, 18. And I compiled it into a book and called it Turbulence Through a Teenage Soul. And I mean, it's handwritten, loose leaf, (laughs) everything. And I really would like to publish it. But yes, I did write 
poetry that was about that, about nature. I like to write about nature a lot. I noticed that when I was younger. Um, just things that I saw and experienced and how it made me feel when being outside, stuff like that. I write, I wrote about um, heartache a lot. I have a very interesting life. You know, my my dad and my mom weren't together and then my mom tried to remarry and that didn't work out. And then she met my stepdad and, oh, he was awesome. And I just love him so much. So I've had this, you know, interesting connection to what a parent is, to fathers, to what a man is and all this stuff. And I and I tried to figure that out in my writing, even as a teenager, you know, and um, I was also very involved in the community, involved in church at the time. I was involved with um, the youth center. I did, I mean, <laughs> I was on track, you know, I ran track and field. I mean, I, so I was a part of a, you know, a school team, girls track and field team. So just all of those little things, I think all inspires, right? Mm-hmm. It all inspires um, what you actually are able to create, muster and put out. And so, um, yeah, I would, I would say, I've always, I've always kind of navigated writing about being a woman, and and when I had my son, it's uh, and at the time I had him, and I don't no- normally talk about my story. I want to be able to do this memoir one time, but I um, I am a survivor of domestic violence, and not just from a romantic relationship, even from family domestic violence. At the time, I had my son now i was going through that and then also going through you know legal stuff because you know <laughs> it just happens sometimes when you're dealing with someone who wants to hurt you yes. so and if you can imagine just being wrapped up in feeling that you had to be strong but not feeling totally strong all the time feeling weak feeling not necessarily valued or useful I was feeling all of those things. Meanwhile, I had my son while I was still getting my master's. I had a C-section. I went to school two weeks after that and had the support of the family and got my master's degree. So when I think about myself in that way, I say, oh, no, you're strong. You could do this. Yes. You know, all that other stuff, it hurts. It's scary. It's fearful. It's all those things. But you can persevere. You can do this. You have proof. Yeah, I have proof. Right. Yeah. So I would feel those things, you know, inside. But then my actions would <laughs> be total opposite. So I think even this piece was me writing in that time and hearing stories. Some of these uh, words come from um, having conversations with other women and their experiences uh, all diverse, all from different walks of life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just inspired by that, inspired by our story to be broken and be strong and triumphant and persevere at the same time. And then watching my mother do the same thing. I had a mom just like me. <laughs> she says I'm her hero, but nah, she's mine. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wonderful to have that opportunity to peek into our internal worlds. Yeah. Because I imagine, I I don't know you very well, but I yes. imagine that the people who were around you during this very turbulent time mm-hmm. saw you as someone who was 
very strong and moving forward. But the way you felt inside was not that way. way. It was, and was probably feeling very unsafe. And when you feel unsafe, (laughs) you feel really weak. But people need to know that Mm -hmm. those internal feelings exist. Because I think where we potentially get messed up Mm -hmm. is when we think that other people are so strong. Yes. And we are not because we have these feelings. Mm -hmm. And really what it sounds like you're saying is that both things are happening at once yeah. and that's okay. And mm-hmm. then once you get through it, you have that, again, that proof. It's yeah. like, look what I did. You can do it too. Yeah. I can do it again. Yep. We're all in this together right. as, as human beings. Right. Because so- sometimes the light gets a little dim, but it never goes out. Yeah. You just have to believe it. And it's hard when you're going through. I mean, I, it, whoa, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very, very hard, but you know, being here now in my life now, I'm so happy I understand that. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I got that understanding. I'm thankful because it is true. You know, God is over everything and you just got to get through. Just got to get through. Yeah. You talked about the power of having your work published, even as a teenager. And I know that you have several books published as Mm -hmm. well. Yes. But what happens when poetry is performed in front of other people rather than just read on a page, you speak it into the world. Why is that important? Well, it's lifting the words off the page and bringing them to life. It's so funny. I was just talking about my experience with writing and sometimes I write prayers. Sometimes I write just to free write because I know that there's so much in there that I just need to dump all the thoughts out. And I mean, I just go. And so I feel like it is a spiritual connection for me. It is something ritualistic, maybe, or whatever. But when you take it from it just existing to it being a full-on performance, you embody the words. And so the divine can work through you um, as a vessel to reach someone else. Because of the way you're delivering your words, even if you have to read on paper, because I've done, I do that too. But it's how, it's how you say it. It's your tone. It's your inflections. It's your, I mean, it's everything. You know, um, I learned that when I went to school, <laughs> you know, I went to school for theater. So, um, and that's always what I wanted to do. And, but now I found all these other things that I love to do. And now it's just like connecting it all. And I think for me, performance is, is really pushing it out. It's lifting it up off the page. It's saying, yes, this exists, but it is now magnified. You know what I mean? So that's for me what it is. We're going to talk more about your piece, Men Always Leave. Oh, yes. And the the various um, iterations of that. (laughs) Yes. Because there's so much to talk about there. But to give folks a little bit of context, Men Always Leave started out as a poem, and then you expanded it, transformed it into a stage play, but you retained the poetry as Mm -hmm. part of that, and I love that. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, including poetry or inserting poetry into kind of a standard narrative, Mm -hmm. what does that do to the piece? Why did you decide to retain that as a core element? I mean, come on, you got Shakespeare, right? (laughs) (laughs) I got to learn it from somebody great. (laughs) I mean, he's just one of the greats, right? Uh, Some other ones that I really love is like August Wilson. He's one of my favorites. I mean, and uh, Susan Laurie Parks. uh, These are some people that I 
love, love, love their work. Um, and they have rhythm. They have rhythm. And, but the way it's done, it's everyday conversation and things like that. And I realize that I have a knack for the real, realistic, you know, everyday kind of dialogue that people have and retaining the poetry makes it more 3D. Mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. for the character. You know, it's show- It's like this piece that I first shared. It's showing every facet that she may not have been able to say out loud because poetry can do that. Right. We could do that in a poem, you know. So for me, retaining that in, in the space that it is, we won't give it away too much, <laughs> but in the space that it is in this piece, it uh, elevates, it elevates the story. It lifts the story. Mm-hmm. It um, magnifies our character. It leaves room for question. It invites a new idea. It's all of those things in this one poem and it's only 3.34, three, three minutes and 34 seconds long. That's how it is. And it's like, wow. And I remember when I first did the poem and... It was, you should make this into a stage play. This happened from one of my best friends. And I said, did you just see what I went through when I performed that piece? I can't even imagine this to a stage play. And she said, you got it. It's, there's more there. You could do this. There's more there, you know. So it's about now weaving the dialogue through the poetry. Right. So that's the foundation. So now how do we put the dialogue through all of that? through all the images, through all the words, how do we do that, you know? And um, I just sat down and did a whole bunch of writes and rewrites, writes and rewrites, <laughs> you know, until I finally discovered it. I think that some people will take a book yeah. and try and adapt it into a play a mo- or a mm-hmm. movie. Yep. And the challenge that that I've seen when, when I've even tried to think about doing that is how to bring all of the inner monologue stuff from a book because you can read what people are thinking in a book, but it's really hard to move that into a stage piece. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if poetry, just like singing for musicals, if if that is the theatrical equivalent of kind Mm -hmm. of what a book does with inner monologue, it's like a peek inside the character's inner life. And well, it is music. Yes. Storytelling. Yeah. You know, it's just another type, mm-hmm. mode of storytelling. So, yes, I, I agree with you um, that that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what it's like. And like you said, like a musical, uh, this is my music. <laughs> it really is. Right. You know, um, I actually was really fortunate enough to be the music for a final dance piece before. There was no other sound. But spoken word, and these beautiful uh, dancers were dancing to the words that I was speaking. So I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's all connected, really. And there is a skill, and you know, all of that that you have to, you know, uh, definitely wrestle with a little bit when you're trying to adapt anything, right? For uh, for more of a dialogue piece, but. It's so much fun. And for me, I didn't realize that the story was just there. 
my friend told me, but I didn't realize until I had the opportunity to really sit with it. And then I started to feel my characters and I started to hear them. And I started to, I mean, it felt real. I said, oh, I do have this. I have it, mm-hmm. you know? So it was already there. It was just about exploring it, mm-hmm. you know? At least that was my experience. <laughs> Men Always Leave has a production scheduled in February. Yes. In Cary. Will there be, and this is, is the second production? This is the second production of it in North Carolina. Okay. Yes. Because you ha- you directed this for the Women's Theater Festival in 2016. Is yes, that right? that's right. right. Yep. I always think it's so interesting when we remount a show. Yeah. How will you be approaching the Carrie production in February? Will there be any changes Mm -hmm. to the script or anything you're going to approach differently? We do have a couple surprise changes Mm -hmm. and some good stuff that I can already share. Um, We will now have two child actors, so child characters in the play. Now, what's so cool is this character, TJ... I wrote him in originally. Originally, there were two kids in Men Always Leave. So it was, at the time, it was just six because Robert wasn't seen. But I wanted Robert to be written in. And at the time, they were like, well, how would you do that? This is a one act. And, you know, everything is so technical when you're in school. So (laughs) everything is so technical. Well, I figured out there's a way to do this. And, yes, I could break the rules a little bit. And it could be creative. And it can work. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy about this. So we have TJ and Hakeem child actors in the play. Um, Hakeem would actually be played by my son this time. (laughs) He's at the appropriate age. And our actor who played Hakeem last time, his name is Seth Chanel, he'll be playing TJ. So he's been raised. Yes, he's (laughs) He's ready. He's been raised and promoted. So he's actual (laughs) teenager. So he fits the role there. But um, so we're doing that. And then uh, we'll be doing pre-show performance. So we will be promoting that you know in conjunction with the stage play so people don't get confused but but um yes there would be a pre-show performance by ds will he is a host and a spoken word performer and also a leader he um started an organization called press play poets organization so i'm connected with them as well and so he will be the pre-show performer and why did you decide to do pre-show spoken word well this is so cool. Well, I have spoken word in my piece. The name of my piece is Men Always Leave. And I said, I want to do something a little bit edgier here because men don't always leave. And it's an oxymoron. Um, and I'm like, how would I do this? I want to, I want to speak to the piece in a very cool way. And so I said, Oh, we can have like, you know, instead of music, people walking in and just hearing mm-hmm. music. Why don't they walk in and and hear poetry, hear this, hear, you know, his interpretation or whatever, you know? So have something that's so cool that will we'll speak to the piece. Of course, not give it away, but just speak to it. And um, yeah, I'm always about stepping out of the box. Mm-hmm. I've also worked on a show where there was tons of pre-show performances going on. I mean, people were working in, there were women dancing, <laughs> there was hula hooping, <laughs> All these different things before a show. So I've seen it done on a much grander scale. So I know how to do this. But but I thought this would be so cool for Men Always Leave to start it and end it the same way it started. Foundation. Yes. 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 That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love the way that that this piece is transforming over time and you're continuing to to add and shape and shift it. Mm-hmm. So you started with the poem, <laughs> the stage play. Yeah. Um, you published it. You yeah. also have a film series yes. that you're working on. And I and I watched the pilot. Oh, awesome. Um, and I noticed that even there, the characters in the story had changed slightly yep. from the mm-hmm. play script. Mm-hmm. Would you talk a little bit about what it was like to craft a film series or do you, do you call it a soap opera? Like how would yes. you Yes. Oh okay. my gosh, you got it. Yeah. I'm so excited. That means we did it right. <laughs> yes, it's supposed to be like a soap opera. Uh all around heavy mixy drama. I mean, that is the view I had for it all those years ago when I first birthed the stage play. I said, you know what? I want to make this into a film series and I want to film all those years ago, like 2008, 2006, whatever. I was writing this for a long time and I've always had this vision. So, okay. So my um, publisher is Writer's Block Publishing. And his name is William. So he put me in touch with Quentin Hammonds and Kamel Hurst. Now, both of these guys are my partners. They do the photography and the film. And then I, I direct. And uh, now me and Q actually co-write, um, which is great because we understand each other. We understand his vision. <laughs> so it's easy. It's not so much work on me now. Right. <laughs> right? So we do co-write some things. And so... They're the the brains behind the camera and uh, Quentin edits everything himself. So it's it's a process, you know, and for me with the script, it was it is that is an adaptation. So is that's all it is. I mean, I'm going to keep the characters. I'm going to keep. But the circumstances may change. Uh, what they might go through may change. You know, I may add some more people. You know, that's that's the whole beauty of it. How do we evolve? And this is how we did it. Mm-hmm. So we do have the the series and um, that we've written, and we're also working on feature film. So we're very busy. <laughs> With Bet Always Leave, it is a amazing, amazing piece, and uh, I'm just I'm just so excited. It keeps evolving. It has a single now. A single, a song. Yeah, has a song. It's called "Shut the Door," and I did it with Ethan Taylor, who's a local R and B artist from Durham. Okay, <laughs> he's part of Family Business, so I've collaborated with Family Business to do this song, and um, it's my song, and it features him, and it's called "Shut the Door." Yeah, it's available on all streaming platforms now. Yep, and the cover art was done by uh, Tara Henry. So I know we'll get there with the yeah. art, but the cover art was done by by Tara Henry, and um, she created Castle Doors, which is based on uh, Men Always Leave, the book, the book cover. And when we had the event, we had people there. When we had the book signing and art event last Saturday, we had people there painting their version of the castle door. <laughs> so we just took the castle door and were able to make it into cover art as well. So that was a great collaboration so tara henry with uh pedagogy art that's how we did it (laughs) yeah so you are getting so much mileage out of this original this initial piece yes how do you know when it's time for this to evolve and transform and then ultimately do you see a time when you'll say okay i've this is as far as I can take mm. this. Oh, yeah. I mean, as a writer, that that's always it. You know, 
You have to know how, you know, if, if there's more to tell. With this story, there's more to tell. And it's timeless. It's timeless. It's about family. It's about relationship. It's about just natural human connection, human drama. That is what I'm creating here. That is what this is. And that never dies. But how do we continue to find the story and new stories? And and that is that is the creative part of it. That is what we that is what we uh spend time to see what are we still hearing, what are we still feeling? And yeah, there may become a time where it's like, okay, well, I've evolved it to this level and now we are chapter closed. Mm-hmm. I don't see that anytime soon though. <laughs> yeah, I don't foresee that anytime soon for men always leave. It's got it's got a lot of places to go. What yeah. if the the ideas and the themes that I connected with really strongly mm-hmm. in the piece was this idea of how we not only protect our hearts yeah. as individuals or women, yeah. um, but how we also protect the hearts of our children yes. and how having children essentially adds the number of hearts that we need to protect yes. when we're trying to create our our world of relationships. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts about that? Because it sounds like you were asking yourself that question as you were writing mm-hmm. this poem and has that changed? Have your thoughts around that changed? Um, about relationship and 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 how uh, we how we how to we, an extent, yeah, yeah, to an extent. Because what I notice is in relationship, if we're talking about romantic relationship or even friendship, you have to be willing to be honest with yourself to convey what you want someone else to understand about you. So the communication has to be completely, if you will, naked. Mm -hmm. Naked with yourself so that you can be so with someone else. So I feel like with Men Always Leave, it's a constant conversation. Because even as people, we're constantly changing. You're not going to be the same two years ago that we are now. So... We have to go back and say, okay, am I being as, you know, true to me right now? Am I, am I being as honest and open with my feeling? Am I, you know, and so I do feel like we can feel as though that person that we're trying to communicate with is not reaching the full understanding. And so thus leaving us. But how do you define leaving? That is what men always leave does. I present it. But the way it's interpreted is so many different ways. And I've, I've heard them. I mean, I've been, you know, blessed enough to have conversations with other people about how they felt when they heard the poem or how they feel when they, you know, see certain things. So yeah, I think it's, it's, it's an ongoing conversation, if you will. So yes, I do do that in a piece. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like so many people who are surrounding you want to engage in these ways that you're talking about through different art forms. So I know that you mentioned you had a a book signing yes. recently at an arts studio. Yes, authors and arts studio. Yes. How how did that go? Was it that? was fantastic. We had so much fun, and and um, Ethan Taylor and I actually performed the the shut the door single <laughs> for the first time, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I also presented about NYI Productions and what we're doing. You know, um, it is an acronym for my name. My name is Naima Yatunde Ents, and recently married, so Griffiths is on there, but. I never had a stage name and I have all this stuff. I mean, Men Always Leave is just one of (laughs) 
several things, right? So, I mean, it just felt like now was the time to start NYI Productions. I always wanted to. I just took the leap. So this event allowed me to have a book signing for Men Always Leave. So to be able to talk more about what the book is, what it means, what story are we telling? And yes, it is happening at the Cary Theater, February 1st through 3rd. So that's happening um, next year. And then we also streamed the um, pilot. So we were able to talk about that. Uh, We had people painting the castle door that Tara Henry came up with. I mean, it was an art fusion event and it was a lot of fun. It was well attended. I love the fact that there were a lot of kids there. So there were a lot of kids painting. That made me feel good because they're a future. So for them to experience that is just fabulous. And my son uh, was there and he's one of my biggest supporters. I have to share this. This is very funny. Uh, I went out with him yesterday. We're going to the store and every store we went to, he said, would you like my mommy's business card? Would you like my mommy's business card? <laughs> and he's tapping payroll. And he's tapping me. He's going, business card. And so I, I have to say, you know, my name is Naima. I'm a writer. I'm an author. I'm also a producer. Here's my business card. Check out our website. He forces that. But I think it's so powerful because it's like, look at how you're influencing your offspring your child you know in such a positive way man you know it 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 just speaks to you have no idea how that's going to shape him because he's feeling it now at such a tender age you know and so i just i just had to share that so it it was a great event there was a lot going on (laughs) well he's proud of you yes extremely and he sees that it is possible to make a life like this yeah and for women to do it yeah. and for moms to do it. Yeah. And I mean, what a, oh, that's just, that touches me. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. So let's talk about NYI mm-hmm. Productions. I have a little description here yeah. as your mission. It says, NYI Productions is a theater and film entertainment company focused on producing independent films and theater that will encourage, illuminate, and entertain diverse audiences by fusing the art of storytelling. Yes. So these three pieces, encourage, illuminate, mm-hmm. and entertain, yes. seem to be hallmarks of the work that you do. Also, we do have the educate and illuminate and entertain on that as well, okay. because we have to encourage, yes. We have to educate. We educate through literature. We educate just mere interaction and collaboration. The the ability to collaborate with other organizations and businesses. I did that with this book signing and art event in a very big way. I mean, we had different sponsors. We had different um, companies that were just so supportive and that just really rose up and said, hey, let's support this. I'm thankful for that. I really am. And <laughs> um, the Illuminate is always to bring uh, inspiration, to bring light, to highlight what you're doing. Don't hide behind it but bring it to the forefront and then entertain. That's what we're doing. I mean, film, theater, music, it's all entertainment. It all is there to make us feel good or make us feel something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and for me, I have always known what my purpose is. <laughs> I'm that person. Mm-hmm. I went to college for theater. I went to get my master's in arts and in, in cultural management. And when I say always, I mean, when I was younger, I would dress up. I would act out scenes from Martin Show and Living Color. Those are my shows. Okay. <laughs> I would write skits. 
I would get with my friends and we would sing songs and record ourselves on cassette tape. <laughs> okay. And then play it back. We would put together shows. I would organize all the dances. So I felt like I always had it is the point. And as far as NYI Productions, this came to me while I was in college to start NYI Productions. Mm -hmm. And it was, and then, and I was inspired by it because of Men Always Leave. So I wrote Men Always Leave and I said, okay, well, what if I had my own theater company? I've always loved and admired Tyler Perry. Okay. I, he's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And so when I saw what he was, I said, oh, and then I started reading about, you know, Susan Laurie Parks and, 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 and just, Lynn Nottage and just other women who were doing it, who are also of color like me, you know, because that, that meant a lot to me too. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm going to do this one day. And so I wrote it down. I still have my original sketches in my bit, <laughs> in my shed, but I wrote it down um, that I was going to start NYI Productions. So 2016, we're doing Men Always Leave and the group of us, we're like, okay, so why don't we just do a film? Like, and Quentin is so funny. He's 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 like me in the sense he's on one of those go people. It's like that's a great idea, so let's go. You know, <laughs> you know. Let's do and I'm, it. Yeah, let's just do it. And I'm sitting there like, okay, okay. So now I gotta write this script, right? So I gotta like adapt it and get get involved, just get in it. And I did, and hence here we are. So that is. That is how I became clear. It was, it was, that's the journey of my clarity with this and the mission and wanting the mission. Um, I really wanted it to be felt that we want to tell stories that are diverse, that are encouraging, that are, uh, uplifting. I mean, the next piece after this is cry, pray and put on lipstick that happened from a conversation with my mom. And uh, that is just powerful. And it's again, uh, centered around women. It's about around four women. And I haven't decided if men enter the play or not right now. I just have the women with me and I have their stories and stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm still, still crafting this piece, but it will be a full length play. And the guys already told me we're doing a short film. I don't know. They want to. I will leave it up to them with that. <laughs> sounds like when the time is right, you'll be doing that. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're so funny. They're like, okay, yeah, that sounds good, but this should be a film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that's what we do. And the idea is that whatever we do on stage, we have a film version of it. Mm -hmm. We have an adaptation. So that's why it's the theater and film combined. Yeah. And I've always wanted to do film. So this is my way of doing it. Right. Yeah, this is my way. So. You mentioned cry, pray, and put, put on, on lipstick. lipstick. Yes. Um, are there other projects that are kind of in the works for NYI? Yeah, we have cry, pray, put on lipstick. Men always leave. As I loosely mentioned, we are doing a feature film for that, working on that. Well, the script is done. We're just working on getting it where it needs to be. And then we have, uh, man, we got a lot of work. I mean, I have another series I want to do. Then uh, we have another piece that that Quentin has that we want to we want to put on. So we have a lot of work. I mean, so far I think we have at least five solid projects that are either theater or film that we want to get get rolling. For me, on the book side, though, I have 
the turbulence to his teenage soul. I really want to do. I have Ghost Load, um, the second edition now that is out. We have Men Always Leave that is published. This is one act stage play. Um, I want to do a memoir. Um, I mean, the stories I got many. So I feel like we have, we have so much work and it's really just about continuing, continuing to collaborate to um, get the exposure that we need uh, to meet with the people we need to meet with and, and push and push our vision out there and see, and see how far we can take it. But I believe there's a lot in store for this one. (laughs) A lot of people have ideas. Yes. But you are actually doing these things. You're doing many things and you have over many years and mm-hmm. you have big plans and dreams for moving forward. You're rolling with collaborators and sponsors and, you know, events and all of this. <laughs> what is the drive that takes you from having a good idea to mm-hmm. actually doing it? Like, where does this, where does the, I don't know if it's confidence or certainty or mm-hmm. passion or what, what is kind of pushing you into action? Well, I would say it's a combination of all the things you mentioned. It is confidence, it is certainty, and it is passion. And it's also the gift of knowing. You know, I'm a spiritual person. I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's purpose. So <laughs> so when I get something, I treat it so valuable and special. And I just love on it because it was given to me as a special gift to give to the world. And I remember being a young girl and writing in my room. And my mom came and asked me, what do I write for? Who do I write for? And I told her that I know for sure I don't just write for me. I write for people who don't even know me. And I was just a teenager. So (laughs) when you know that about you, I think it just, and now that I'm an adult, it's like, oh yeah, I really know it now. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like it, it, it became true. It's your truth, you know? And um, I am very passionate. And I was talking with my cousin and um, she said, uh, it's the passion that drives us. Like, she's like, I don't think people understand that. Like you taking, taking or having to sacrifice your sleep or having to sacrifice time that could just be for you to give to your, your, you know, your son, just so that you can, you know, do something else in a few hours. Um, the idea of having to rearrange your schedule just so that you could be here. Sometimes you have to take a pay cut just so that you could show up somewhere. I mean, those things indicate that you have a purpose mm-hmm. You have a belief in something and you have a passion. And when you meet people, it should show. It should show all the way up. So that's how I feel about my work. That's how I walk in my purpose every day. So, yes. What's next for you? I don't know. Let's see. I know so you much so stuff. Many right now. So I I am going to be um joining um Nikki. Uh she goes by for Nikki Ferrari X. She is an author herself. Also, um, another one that's got multi things going on. I mean, um, she's also like a Reiki healer, she does yoga, uh, she has her own entertainment company, she helps people get published really cool stuff. So I'll be alongside her for her book tour. So I'm the feature author. 
and we'll be going to I think nine different places. So it's going to be only be on weekends, which is good because then I can still work and right. do mommy stuff. But um, again, when I was talking about that sacrifice, right? But the purpose of this is let's get out there. Let's meet some new people. Mm-hmm. Let's make some more connections. Let's push the books. Let's do as much as we can because I can only be in my little corner of the world, but I have so much to give. Yeah. So I just got to get there. And so that's how I, that's how I see it. I mean, I, yeah, I see the bigger vision Mm -hmm. and um, I'm looking forward to the book tour. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's called Melanin and Beauties. (laughs) Is it in North Carolina only or? Um, I'm going to be in Boston. Uh, We're going to be in New York. So that's coming up Mm -hmm. in a couple weeks. And then uh, we're going to do Atlanta. So going to be there for a little while. And we're going to go back north again. Wow. You all are getting around. I mean, getting around. And so I think we're going to try to do a stop here, but it hasn't been finalized yet. Hopefully we can. That is the hope. And how does the music tie into all of this? Do you have plans to make more music? Oh, yes. It's going to be a whole soundtrack for Men Always Leave. Kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Got a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yes. So um, we will be collaborating with Family Business as well as... um, a couple other music groups um, that I'm affiliated with in New York. So one of them is Seven House. Um, so we'll be right now for sure collaborating with Seven House and Family Business. And we're going to be doing some really cool stuff. So Shut the Door is the first single. And it is poetry and R&B. And I have uh, featured on music before, but mainly like, you know, it was hip hop. And then I would come in at a pot and whatever. This was Literally, my idea was like, let's go ahead and write a song that speaks to men always leave, that can reach the people, that is group, that has a groove to it, that's romantic, that's, uh, oh man, so many different things. And when you hear this song, that's what you feel. And myself and Ethan wrote it and we wrote it together. You know, I wrote all the poetry and lyric and stuff. He came up with a hook and, you know, the smooth, of it <laughs> and then we picked out the the actual music so the instrumental music which was from dg beats it's an online um beat store and we ch- we sh- chose it from there and um and then it was engineered and uh mastered in durham <laughs> at the playground studios okay and uh the engineer on that was shaka so it's it's amazing. It's a very fun ride, I tell you. It's a fun thing. And I, it literally happened like I was sitting down in my room thinking about the the event that we had coming up. And I said, you know, we need to, it'd be cool if we could do some music and if we could tie an artist to it and have have that element. Because, you know, Men Always Leave is musical, like you said. And you felt it. And I... And, and I and I believe that, you know, so, well, well, you know, we should do this. And then that gives us another way of connecting with more people in the area and all that. So I really thought about it. And so I called up, you know, my other partner. His name is um, Isaac Thomas with Family Business. I said, OK, so I want to do this song. And at first he was thrown. He was like a song. I didn't even know you did. What, what do you mean a song? And so, you know, I explained to him the idea. He said, OK, well. Why don't you listen to these people and let me know? And Ethan was one of them. And I said, yeah, I'd like to work with him. And he jumped on it. I mean, we met, we worked on the lyrics for two hours. And then we got in the studio and we knocked it out in another two hours. 
So it didn't take us long. Wow. Nope. Yeah. It was incredible. It really was. And the vibe, I mean, everything. We just had it. We just, it was, it was just meant. It was just, it was an idea that was meant to happen. So, and you could feel it, you know? So it's really powerful that this is the first, the first song, but how cool that it's my song. (laughs) How cool is that? You know? And I I really thought about it. The guys reminded me of it. I'm like, I didn't even think about that, but you're right. You know, because I've been orchestrating the story all the way through. And now we have other people that understand it and are a part of it and that want to help carry it out, too. And it's just so awesome and beautiful. So I'm thankful. Seriously. Yes. It's wonderful that you are continuing to pull other people in. Yes. So you don't, you're not holding it so tightly that you're not letting it transform or, you know, you're letting other people put their mark on it oh, as yeah. well and that's yeah. just that's really cool yeah that's so what so the other thing that's next up since we're talking about the song is we're going to be doing the music video for it is in september and uh my team took full control over this i will say that i had a little part of the idea then it was like now nah, we got this so <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's great um really excited about it we you know already started planning it's going to be a lot of fun so now I'm going to have a music video. My very first music video or something. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked? Um, um, I will just touch a little bit on Cry, Pray, and Put on Lipstick because yeah. I mentioned it, but we didn't. Yeah. So um, it started from a conversation with my mom. And what happened was she was feeling a little down you know, I kind of asked her why she just left because she left the house for a little while. Not long, but just a little while. And she said to me, she said, sometimes you just have to cry, pray, and put on lipstick. So I looked at her and I said, oh, well, that's the title of my next play. But first, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, well, that's okay. As long as I get to be the uh, creative uh, director. I said, sure. Absolutely. So we're in this together, me and mommy and I. But... um. Yeah, so I decided at that point that this was so interesting. I hate crying. So being able to talk with her, she loves to cry. She's like, it's a release. It makes me feel so much better. You know, all these. I said, wow, I said, okay. I said, so as women, how do we really see ourselves? How do we really, you know, what is the, what kind of pressures do we put on ourselves about these elements of our lives? The crying, the praying, how do we face the world? How do we look to people? I said, oh, I got to tell this. So now I'm all excited, right? And um, I decided that I wanted to do interviews. So what I did is I started to interview random women. I would just, I said, can I interview you? People I knew. And I, they say yes. And I got some questions together along with mama. We worked on it together. <laughs> and uh, and um, it's just centered around the title about crying, praying, and putting on lipstick. But it's thought provoking to to uh, invite more of a conversation. And what that's doing for me as a writer is it's making me really be able to connect and resonate with these characters that I already have because I've already come up with my characters and stuff. But I just love the process. So it's not necessarily interview theater. I'm not taking this wor- the, their words verbatim. I am literally just having conversations with them and being inspired so that when I am sitting and getting these stories out, they just feel so natural and free flowing. And 
just like the human drama. That's me. That's what I love. So, you know, it's just, it's just more of that. And, um, what we did do is, cause I told you everything's stage gotta come to light and film, right? right? We did, um, do, um, NYI Productions film project called Nye Speaks. So if you took out the dots in NYI, it would be just Nye. Okay. And so that's okay. That's, I guess, a nickname, right? For me. But it's called Nye Speaks. And we did it as like a talk show documentary style. And I asked five women if they would allow me to interview them on camera. And they said yes. And we converted my house into a film set. And it was so much fun. We had a great time. It was really, really a good time. So um, Nye Speaks is on YouTube. And it's uh, alongside the pilot episode of Men Always Leave so people can view them there. And then, you know, we have our website and YI Productions and yeah. So what? it's a lot. Yes, it's all so, it's <laughs> But it's so, so much fun. Yeah, it's so rich. And, you know, people get excited about that. Oh, yeah. About how these things overlap and interact and get deeper. And then how does it happen? I mean, we have... I couldn't do this by myself, you know, my team is so awesome. I mean, they, they love my work. They love what I'm doing. So I'm thankful that I have their support and their, you know, and their respect and their trust, all of that. And it's so nice because I also know that I could depend on them and I also respect them and I also trust them. And I also know that when we come together, we're going to create magic mm. and it, and I could feel it, you know what I mean? So I'm just so thankful. And, um, that's just what's continuing to happen. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing to meet more people, be able to collaborate with others more so that the magic doesn't have to stop. It can continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and expand. That is the hope. And so I'm just thankful. I really am. Speaking of magic, do yes. you have something that you could read to us, something else that you could read to us to close us out? I do. I got a few. Well, I could do Men Always Leave the Poem. Did you want to hear I would that? love it. Yes. <laughs> I think yes. that's, that's a great, great piece. Uh, okay. What if I told you my heart was letting go like water slips through rocks? What if I spoke that I love you, but my heart won't let me love that hard? And what if I told you that I speak to you more in my heart than I do with my lips because I want to hand it to you, but I'd much rather hold on to it and deliver subliminal messages that speak louder than my voice? Louder than the mic that announces what the next million dollar lottery is. Louder than the sirens in the streets so loud only God can hear it. Sometimes I feel like my kisses aren't enough. Like I gave my all but it's never enough because men leave. They tell you they love you and then they leave. So I figure I run out the back door now so I don't have to endure the pain that consumes my body. Like taking a bath in hot lava because my experience is men leave. So I figure I'll start loving you less and you'll love me more. And I'll hurt you before you hurt me because that's something that doesn't live through me. Or maybe I'll just let go altogether because I'm losing this tug of war. I'm losing. I lost. I'm losing. I lost. I'm losing. I lost. And I abandoned my leader when I went to the operating room. And then is when I began to hate you because maybe I did this to myself. And I know that I love you. No, I don't hate you. I just hate the fact of thinking that I can't be with you eternally. 
And that's something that I can't pass on to my future progeny because they will count on me. And if I can't count on you, then they can't count on me. And yes, I'm scared. I'm so scared that I'm used to running. I've completed 500 laps around the universe and back. Venus and Mars hold my secrets. I am me when I'm there. I am free when I'm there. And my tears trickle down the invisible lines of happiness because happiness can't come through a man to me because men leave and I'm drowning in my own loneliness. And I'm thinking that as long as I'm loyal to my art, then I will always be happy. So what if I told you that I'm losing you to self-destruction? And what if I told you that I'm running because fear is my motto? And what if I told you that I love you so much that I feel like I don't deserve you? Would you believe me? Well, I've been thinking that I'm too much and I'm too hurt. So just be free. And I'll let go because you would leave and I'll stop because I am our demise and I love you hard in life itself. And if I could, I would clone you just so there's two. So one day you can know me as if your blood runs through my veins like a mother knows a child when I don't feel compelled to run and hide behind the shadows of lost love. But now my heart flows out to sea and I mean, I won't let you hurt me. I told you I love you. I told you I need you and I told you I'm sorry. So if I told you I love you and if I told you I need you and if I told you I'm sorry, would you believe me? Or would you forget about me like the most embarrassing moment of your life? Or would you leave me there like a science project growing in the back of the refrigerator? Or would you be embarrassed to have even known me? I mean, I thought you would. So this is my ode to love because if I abandon love when thing is true, I never abandon me because men always leave. Peace. Thank you. You're welcome. You are an inspiration. Oh, thank you. Artist Soapbox is a listener-supported podcast. You can support the podcast by sharing episodes via social media, telling friends about the podcast, and by donating to the podcast to make it go. If you are a listener, can you donate $3 a month via our Patreon page to help offset the costs associated with making this podcast? I guess I should say, will you donate $3 a month? via our Patreon page to help offset the costs associated with making this podcast. Patreon.com slash Artist Soapbox. See the show notes and more on our website, artistsoapbox.org. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much for your support. And we're out. <laughs>